Uh, so the Bible reading today is Matthew chapter 11, uh, verse 25, through to 12, verses 14, and then Jono will be preaching um, on that piece of scripture. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Father, ex- no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and to those whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my, wo- my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Well, good morning. It's great to, uh, to be with you. We might actually um, turn to a, a second passage. Um, uh, if you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, uh, I'll, uh, I'll maybe keep a, a finger or something in Matthew 11 because we'll come back there. And I'm going to read um, uh, Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 to 10. Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, 
not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Well, it is great to, um, to be here with you. Um, for the sake of those who may not know me, my name is Jono and um, I lead the, uh, the sister church across the way at uh, Grace Anglican Church, Harrington Park. And it's always uh, great to come across and uh, to, to be uh, with you and to open God's Word together. It's an exciting time for us as Grace Anglican Church's Camden Valley as we relaunch our, our church, uh, our, our churches in the local area, uh, both here and at Harrington Park. And coming off Easter last weekend, uh, being able to sing again as a church, it's a, it's a good time and uh, an exciting time for us as a church. And as we're relaunching Grace Anglican Church, we thought it'd be, it'd be good to dig into God's Word and to, to think about this wonderfully rich and profound, life-changing uh, truth of, of God's grace and what God's grace means for us, what it means for our lives, what it means for the ministry of our church. Uh, Grace is kind of everywhere in the Bible. Um, I don't know if you've had this experience when you're looking to buy maybe a new car or um, maybe you're looking for a house or something. When you're when you sort of a significant purchase and you're researching it and you're looking into the different aspects of different you know, houses or cars or whatever it is that you're buying. But when you do that, you just start to notice that thing everywhere. Like if there's a particular car you're researching and you just notice that car wherever you go. Um, it's been a little bit like that for me over the last um, six months as I've been reading through the scriptures, thinking about grace, just to see God's grace is, is everywhere. It's, it's foundational uh, to, 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 to God's uh, stance towards us. His whole, whole stance towards us is one of grace. Uh, and, then, and that's the, the constant t- uh, testimony of scripture. So, for example, um, in John 1... There we are, John 1, 14. Uh, John, in his uh, magnificent introduction to his gospel, says, verse 14, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Notice that Jesus came to reveal God's glory, and as He did that, He revealed His, His grace. His undeserved kindness. Um, just a few verses on, it says in uh, verse 16, Out of His fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So you see that grace is, is such a foundational truth. And so our new uh, mission statement has grace at its heart. It talks about living in God's grace and living out God's grace. And I really want this to be something that's, that's more than just kind of words on a page. This is something that, is, that expresses uh, what it is that grounds us, uh, something that, that reassures us, something that motivates us to, to give ourselves wholeheartedly as disciple-making disciples of Jesus. And so as we uh, re- relaunch our church, as we move into a, a new phase of our life together, uh, Gav and I thought it'd be good for, to, to unpack different aspects of what it means to live in God's grace and to live out God's grace and to, to dig into God's Word and see what He says uh, about those things. So we're taking a, a different approach um, to what we normally do as we normally you know, systematically preach our way through a book of the Bible. Um, this week and the coming weeks, uh, we're going to consider um, 
some topics and themes of the scripture. And it's good to do that every so often, to, to see, to pick a theme and, and, a, and a topic and just to trace through how God addresses that in his word. And so today, to start today, we're going to uh, think about what is a, a rich biblical theme of rest and, uh, and, and look at what God says about rest and what that means uh, and how that relates to God's grace. Uh, before we dive into that though, let's uh, pause and come before our great God and Heavenly Father and, and uh, pray to Him. So will you, will you join me as we pray? Our Father, we do thank You for Your astounding grace to us in Jesus. And Father, we ask that You'd you guide me now as I speak and us all as we listen. Father, please help us to, to listen to what you tell us in your word. Guard our hearts uh, from being hardened. And Father, please shape us, please grow us in our knowledge of you and of your character, of your deeds and of your will for us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in terms of uh, unpacking uh, what it means to live in God's grace. I, I think the, uh, it's a great place to start, to start with the theme of rest. Uh, because rest is really, it's, well, you could say it's the beginning and the end. It's, it's the A and the, and the Z. Uh, the Bible begins with rest. In Genesis uh, 1 and 2, we have this, this magnificent creation account which culminates in rest. And, and the, the ideal picture of that in the Garden of Eden. That's at the beginning of the Bible. And then at the end of the Bible in Revelation 22, we have this picture of a restored Eden that's, that's even better than the first. So rest is the, the starting point and it's, it's part of the end goal of the message of the Bible. But to, to fully appreciate uh, what that means and, and to see that, we need to understand what the Bible means by rest. Because it's, it's more than we typically think. I think when we typically think of rest, we think of, you know, stopping work for a while, kicking back, putting your feet up, watching the telly, or maybe lying on a, on a beach somewhere and soaking up some sun, or that'd be nice on a day like today. That's kind of our, typically our picture of rest, but the Bible, its concept of rest is much, much bigger and richer than that. It's, it's more than relaxation. Let me show you, if you um, uh, turn back in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. It will come up on the screen if you haven't got your Bible handy, but it's always good to, good to look at your Bible and to, to see things in, in, in its context. So Genesis 2 verse 1 says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day God had finished the work He'd been doing, so on the seventh day He rested from all His work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it He rested from all the work of creating that He had done. So we've got here the, the, uh, the end point of God's creation. This is, this is the, the goal of God's creative work that, that's happened in the previous chapter. But there's a number of questions that, that this raises. What does it mean that God rested? I mean, why did God rest? Was He, was he kind of puffed out from all His hard work of creating? I mean, that's typically why we rest, because we're, you know, we're exhausted. But, but that doesn't make sense. God doesn't tire. And in fact, in uh, John 5, verse 17, Jesus says that God, His Father, is always at His work. He's not inactive. So what does it mean that God rested? Second question this raises is, well, what does it mean that God blessed the seventh day and, and made it holy? I mean, how can a day be 
blessed and, and holy. What does that mean? Thirdly, how does this connect with us? I mean, what does this seventh day of Genesis 2 have, what does it have to do with us living in our time? Well, I think the, the key to understanding this passage, as in understanding any part of the Scriptures, is to look at it within its context and to, to see how it fits within that context. And when we do this, you, you see that uh, in the context of Genesis 1, which leads into this, there's a change in the pattern. So throughout Genesis 1, each of the, the, the six days of creation, of the creation account, it ends with, and there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And there was evening and the morning, etc., through to the sixth day. But on the seventh day, it breaks the pattern. There's no evening, there's no morning. Which means in the way that this, this account is structured, there's no end to the seventh day. There's no eighth day, there's no ninth day. The seventh day is, is the culmination and it continues. Which means that for us, in the, the age in which we live... Well, it is in a sense, we live in this seventh day. And so what's said about this day applies to us now. Of course, factoring in what happens in the next chapter in Genesis with sin and judgment and the, the message of the rest of the Bible, but we, we still live in this seventh day. And what happens on this seventh day is that God rests. He, he rests from all His work of creating. He's, he's finished, completed, ceased His work... And in this completed state, this rest, God extends the blessing of that to His creation. I think that's what it means to say that this day is blessed, that, that is, this day holds blessing for all who are part of it. God's creation is to enjoy the blessing of this seventh day. And this day and, and all who, are, who take part in this day are to be holy, they're to be set apart for God in this, this rest. What this means for us is that fundamental to us, to, to our intended purpose, that the purpose, in fact, of the whole creation is that we enjoy the blessing of God's rest. That we are to be holy, that we're to be set apart for Him, we're to be in relationship with Him. And so this, this rest, this blessing, this, this holiness, this is our purpose, this is what we were made for. And you see that a picture of that as it continues in chapter 2 with Adam and Eve enjoying this, this constant good relationship with God, living in the blessing of His creation in the Garden of Eden. It's this wonderful picture, illustration of, of this rest, this blessing, this holiness. But of course we know, and if you know the story of the Bible, it, it doesn't last long. Genesis 3, sin enters the world as, as humanity rebelled against its Creator, as we rebelled and corrupted and spoiled this, this place of rest and blessing and holiness. And so the world became a place of, of toil and of restlessness, like Cain in chapter 4 is described as a restless wanderer. And I'm sure that we feel the, the reality of this. I mean, hands up if you're feeling kind of tired this morning. Those that didn't put their hands up, you're probably just too tired to raise your hand, but it's okay. We feel the reality of this. I want us to hang in there. It's only a, only a week to go of school holidays, or maybe, hey, you've got a week of school holidays, depending which way, how school holidays affects you. But we feel the reality of the brokenness, of the, the loss of this 
perfect place of rest and blessing and holiness as this place has become a place of toil. And yet, God's purpose for us, for, for this rest, remains. And so, as we read through and continue through the, the, the unfolding, God's unfolding plan throughout the Scriptures, we see this idea of rest continues and it forms a significant theme. And so, when we get to the, the Old Testament law of Moses, we find that, that rest is, is built into to God's laws about the Sabbath. Now, the word Sabbath, by the way, just means rest. What the, what the word means and in in the law god gave his people this pattern of of work and rest and they were to observe these sabbaths these rests there are actually a number of rests um uh, that israel were to keep so exodus 23 verse 10 the thing for yep, there we are um says for six years you were to sow your fields and harvest the crops but in, during the seventh year let the land lie unplowed and unused then the poor among your people may get food from it and the wild animals may eat what is left. Do the same with your vineyard and your olive groves. Six days do your work, but on the seventh day do not work, so that your ox and your donkey may rest, and so that the slave born in your household and the foreigner living among you may be refreshed. See there, God says, work the, the land for six years, let it rest in the seventh. Work six days, rest on the seventh. So God's purpose for his people was this, this ongoing cycle of work and rest and there's a number of reasons that are given there for it firstly it's meant to be a time of refreshment of of blessing of generosity that that flows from god's grace and kindness to his people they in turn are to care for the, the, the poor to be generous to them to care for the animals and the servants and so even amongst the, the hard work of this world there is this refreshment and blessing and generosity that, that's built into the cycle of life as a, as a good thing. But secondly, these, uh, these rests that Israel were to observe were, were to be a sign of the covenant between God and His people. And so Exodus 31 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, You must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come, so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it is to be put to death. Those who do any work on that day must be cut off from their people. It's pretty serious business. It's serious though because it's, it's a sign of the covenant between God and His people. If Israel breaks this command, they're breaking the covenant that God made with them. It's a little bit like, um, like a wedding ring. This, this wedding ring is a sign of the covenant between me and my wife, Jenny. And if I was to just to disregard that and toss it away, I'd be disregarding the covenant that I made with her. Likewise, for the people of Israel, for them just to, to disregard the Sabbath, they're disregarding the covenant between them and God, which is why it's, it's such serious business for them. So it's meant to be about refreshment, blessing, it's meant to be a sign of the covenant, but there's a third reason for their Sabbaths, and that is to remind them, to remind them that God had rescued them from their slavery in Egypt and had brought them through the desert to enjoy rest and peace in the promised land. Because the promised land is, is actually described as Israel's rest, as Israel's Sabbath. 
the land itself was to be a place of, of blessing and relief. It was their inheritance, a, a gift of God's grace to his people. And so the, the weekly Sabbath day was to remind them that they'd been rescued and to remind them that, that God had given them rest. And so what we see as we, we trace through the scriptures is this, this goal of Genesis 2, of rest, of blessing, of holiness, it's, it's expressed in the law, it's expressed in the promised land. But, but as we move through the Old Testament, we're still expecting, waiting for something more. The promised land, as good as it was, wasn't it. There's a promise of an even greater rest that's coming. And like all God's promises, it finds its fulfilment in Jesus so when we get to the New Testament, we read the Gospel accounts, one thing that, that uh, kind of stands out at you is that the, the Pharisees were really obsessed with Sabbath-keeping. In fact, they had come up with uh, 39 different types of work that you, that you must not do on the Sabbath, including swatting a fly, combing your hair, walking more than two and a half kilometres from your home. They, they were seriously into Sabbath-keeping, and it led them to conflict with Jesus on a number of occasion, occasions. But they'd missed the point of it. Because the Sabbath was, was meant to be, as we've seen, it was meant to be a gift of God's grace, a time of refreshment and blessing and celebration and life. But they'd rejected God's grace and turned the Sabbath into a, a burdensome list of do's and don'ts. Now, we, we kind of tut-tut the Pharisees and their legalistic hypocrisy. And yet I wonder how easy is it for us to, to kind of fall into a similar way of thinking. Um, so much of our lives are based on performance. You know, we've got to, we're busy doing all the things and, you know, you, you've got to do the things. If you don't do the things, it'll be bad. And so, you know, make sure you keep busy doing all the things that we've got to do and success depends on that. That's true in many areas of life. I mean, that's, it's true at work, it's true at school, at, at uni. And in so many areas, we live in a, a performance-driven world. And so it's easy for us to kind of slide into thinking that's how it works with us and God. That His favour depends on, on our work, on our performance. Maybe we slide into thinking that, well, you know, how I'm going at my personal Bible reading, that, that you know, how many days this week have I managed to read my Bible and don't get me wrong, reading your Bible is really important and valuable and vital and we need God's Word, we need to read and feed on His Word, but we mustn't slip into thinking that our, our relationship with God somehow rests on our religious performance. Now, Jesus came and he, he stood against the Pharisees. He stood against their, their works-based, human-centred religion. And in one... Uh, particular debate with them which we read in um, in Matthew 11 Jesus made an extraordinary claim about himself and the Sabbath he said this for the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath Jesus is Lord of the rest that is he's the one who's in control of the Sabbath of the the ultimate rest that God is bringing for His people. Jesus is the Lord of that Sabbath. He's the one who brings God's rest. In fact, just a few verses before this in Matthew 11, He said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Notice there Jesus offers rest. Now, he's not saying he'll, he'll give you a breather and you know, a good night's sleep, and I'm sure some of you, especially young children, might just love Jesus to give you that. Um, he's not saying that he'll give you a a rest in that sense enable you to put your feet up relax for a bit it's not that sort of rest jesus is is saying he he brings god's true ultimate rest the, the rich blessing of being with god of being in relationship with god being his holy people enjoying life with him now and forever that rest that that's the end goal that jesus gives us by his grace we said, said before, rest is there at the beginning, God's purpose in creation, and it's there at the end in His goal in salvation. So rest is this, this theme that we see throughout the Scriptures from beginning to end, from our, our purpose to God's goal for us. But secondly, that the word rest also speaks of, of how we receive the blessing of that salvation. That is, we rest in the grace of that salvation it's not something that we that we work to achieve it's not based on our our performance and so in ephesians 2 that passage i read for us it says for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves it's a gift of god not by works, so that no one can boast for we are god's handiwork created in christ jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. The salvation, the, the ultimate rest and peace with God, that is a gift of God's grace, which we don't in any way deserve. I mean, that, that's what grace is. It's undeserved kindness, it's generosity. And God has, has been so gracious to us, so generous to us in taking us from being dead in our sin, following Satan, following our, our own evil desires, following the world, he's taken us from being dead in our sin and made us alive with Christ. Yes, we go on then to do good. There are good things God has prepared for us to do, but the good works don't save us. Rather, the salvation by his grace leads us to want to do the good works. So salvation comes not through our efforts, not through our work, but simply through faith in Christ, putting our trust in Jesus, receiving that gift, or as Jesus expressed it, coming to Him and receiving the rest that He gives, taking His yoke upon Him, learning from Him. Um, I don't think we often deal with yokes. I don't know if anyone's got a yoke at home. Um, I don't have a yoke, but um, a yoke is, is a... a a wooden bar that connects two oxen together and connects them to the, the load or the burden that, they, that they, are, they pull along. And Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. He calls us to, to come to him, to join him, to follow him, to, to walk with him, if you like. For he is gentle and humble in heart and in him we find rest for our souls his yoke is easy his burden is light friends that's liberating 
as we work, as we strive to, in this, this performance-driven world, this increasingly graceless world, as we toil away at all sorts of things, we can rest secure in the grace that Jesus gives. I don't need to perform my way into God's good books. I don't need to try to impress God with my improved behaviour. Nor do I need to suppress or, or ignore or minimise my sin, my failure. I, I can simply rest in God's grace, knowing that, that Jesus has done the heavy lifting for me. He's borne the, the burden of my sin. And He's graciously, He gives us rest for our souls. What this means in terms of implications for us, Well, firstly, live in God's grace as you come to Jesus, as you receive the, the rest, the salvation that He gives. It is by grace you've been saved. So come to Jesus, all you who are weary and burdened, and He will give you rest. Come to Jesus and keep coming to Jesus. Start each day dependent on His grace, walking with Him, learning from Him, taking, up, taking on His yoke. He's gentle, He's humble in heart. And when you fail, as we inevitably do and will, keep coming back to Jesus, repentant, resting in His grace. So live in grace as you come to Jesus. Secondly, live in grace as you work. Life does involve work, often hard work. And, and God has prepared good works for us to, to, to do as He's saved people. And we should work hard in, in those good works as if working for the Lord. But even as we work, we can rest in God's grace, which He, he keeps us in. We can rest in His grace and not fall into a kind of human-centered workaholism as if it's all up to us, it's all up to our hard work. Live in God's grace as you work. And thirdly, live in God's grace as you rest Take time to rest. Uh, we're, not, we're not built to go 24-7. Uh, God knows that and, and He has structured this world. He's created us. He's, he's created uh, this world. He's, he's structured His good law to reflect that. It's important that we reflect that and structure, that in rest, structure rest into our lives. Have regular times of rest to, to bring refreshment and joy, to express the our trust in God, that actually we trust that He's still got the world in His hands, even if we down tools for a while. Structure rest into our lives to remind us that actually there's more to life than work. And fourthly, to remind us ourselves that that, that eternal rest, that blessing that we're looking forward to, that's coming. The new heavens, the new earth, the place where we will rest from our labours and enjoy the perfect blessing of being with God forever. So live in His grace, live in God's grace as we come to Jesus, live in God's grace as we work, live in God's grace as we rest. How about we pray? Our Lord God Almighty and loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise You for Your goodness to us in creating us. Father, we thank You that that you've given us that great goal for us to share in the blessing and holiness of your rest. 
that through your grace, you have given that to us in Jesus. You've opened the way for that. Father, we, we thank you for that and we pray that, that that great future would shape and drive us now. Father, may we live in your grace as we come to Jesus and as we keep coming to him. May we live in your grace as we, as we work, as we, we do the good works that you prepared for us. May we live in your grace as we rest. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Jono. Uh, we're actually going to continue in prayer, so if you'd like to pray with me. I won't put on that again. Uh, Heavenly Father, we pray for the youth in our group of churches. We thank you for the many youth and pray that they would be growing in their love and knowledge of you. Uh, we pray for Unite Youth, that it will be a time for people to grow in their love of you. Be with Ben and the other leaders as they share their faith and their lives. We pray for the 5 to 8 Bible study here at Gledswood Hills. May your Holy Spirit continue to work in the hearts and the minds of the people there. Equip the leaders to explain the Bible faithfully and may those who attend continue to grow in their understanding and love of you. Uh, Father, today we also bring before you the emergency services that, are, that support our community in times of need. Thank you for the service of these men and women when we need it the most. Protect them as they put their lives on the line for our safety. Help their families to cope with the pressures of shift work and working odd hours. And Father, we pray for the Christians in these workplaces, that they would be a shining light to those around them. And finally, Father, today we pray for more college. We thank you that they are there to equip Christians for ministry around the world. May your Holy Spirit work in the hearts and minds of the students as they study your word. Help them to be well equipped to become future ministers and work in future ministries. And be with the staff as they mentor and teach your word. Father, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.